Let's do this. The Club Hockey Podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, David. How are you tonight? Good. Oilers fans are happy tonight. Lots of dopamine hits in that game, Bruce. Lots of things to make us happy. Oilers 4 nothing over the New Jersey Devils. They had uh, 13 to 8 when it came to grade 8 chances, according to our count, our preliminary count, because you're yet to go over um, the count, and we'll see if that changes. It changes sometimes a little bit. But a fairly dominant performance, especially as the game went on. And Bruce... I don't know what you think about this, but man, the New Jersey Devils reminded me of the 2013-14 Edmonton Oilers. Oh. They, they, uh, the goaltending especially, but also like a, a fair amount of talent on the team, but just the talent's too young and not, most of it's not ready for prime time. You know, Hughes, um, Jack Hughes is, man, on the power play, he missed, just, he missed the net twice. And then the clears his own shooting himself. right down. He cleared the zone twice with bad shots. Um, he's a little bit erratic, and you know, probably not. It's hard to know. Like he, he you can see the talent in that player, but um, you, you just wonder if he might have been better served playing in another league this year, other than the NHL. Their, def- you know, their defense. I think Subban is playing hurt personally. I don't. He doesn't look like the PK Subban that I remember, the dominating player. He looks like a little bit of a, not quite a, the Ryan Whitney level of play, uh, you know, Ryan Whitney at the end of his career, but he, he doesn't look like he's firing on all cylinders. And, and there's just the, the defensive breakdowns on that team, Bruce, is, uh, whew, mm-hmm. it's not, it just seems like a strangely constructed team in some ways. I don't, it's hard to put your finger on it, but I guess the, the defense just isn't there. This is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. Bruce, what is your good thing? Uh, I'm going to go with the Edmonton um, penalty killing. Uh, I thought they had a strong game and aided and abetted by a New Jersey power play that couldn't get out of its own way at times, I have to say. Uh, the uh, There was one <laughs> in particular right after the very curious too many men on the ice penalty when both teams had a number of extra players on the ice and somehow they singled out Edmonton when the play puck was right in front of the New Jersey bench. And I thought, if they, that was I thought if, they, if they score here, I'm not going to be happy. But uh, that power play, I mean, about halfway through, I started, like I usually focus very heavily on the Oilers, but I started looking at it from the New Jersey perspective because I kept whiffing on passes they couldn't complete a pass in the neutral zone. They couldn't even come close to keeping the puck in at Edmonton's blue line. And it looked like one of those Keystone Cops power plays. that I, I think all teams suffer from them from time to time, but you, you tend to notice them a lot more when it's your team doing it. But that one aside, I thought the PK was strong. I thought they were very aggressive. And they, they really were, were um, not allowing uh, New Jersey to really get set up and, and, and get that puck on a string. And they held them to, uh, they said two shots on TV, but I see in the summary here, New Jersey had four shots and, of course, no goals on four full two-minute power plays. So that's uh, that's pretty good work by the uh, by the PK unit, four shots against an eight eight minutes. Yeah, not yeah. one not one scoring chance for mm-hmm. New Jersey, Bruce. On and, right. and on the Oilers power play, they had power. I don't know how many power plays the Oilers have, but they had five. Three. Three. Five scoring chance, grade A scoring chance shots, including one goal. 
So uh, yeah, Oilers Oilers won the special teams battle and they won the even strength battle. So there's lots of lots of things to like. What did you they, like? They won the face-off battle too, which <laughs> is another thing that reminds me of the 2013-14 Oilers is New Jersey's ineptitude, and I don't know if this is ongoing with them in the face-off circle, but uh, they got. Uh, Nico, Nico Hishier was four wins and 10 losses. So he was doing his Ryan Nugent Hopkins impersonation from 2013-14 in that game. Bruce, my good thing was Miko Koskinen. And the, the Oilers came out actually fairly cold and tentative, as is often the case. Um, it's funny, there's this pattern where they, they come out and then the, then the big guys score a goal and everything. Well, this time everything was good. It hasn't been. They've given up a couple of leads after the big guys have scored. But um, they came out really cold. And missing on passes and not um, not working that like not really going for it, not really in the game, digging in. But Miko Koskinen was fantastic, and um, you know you got a little bit of luck on that Taylor Hall breakaway. You know Hall hit the post, but of course Miko Miko Koskinen's so big in net. Um, when you're shooting on that net, there's not a lot to shoot for. This is part of his. Goalie will tell you a post is a miss, and, and it's forced by the fact that he didn't give him any net to shoot at. And <laughs> well, there so you he, go. I'll hit what he could see, and what he could see was the crossbar. That's what Mikko Koskinen would say to you. Geez, he card, looks... Go ahead. Inspired card-carrying member of the goaltenders' union. I know this. He he looks <laughs> when Koskinen looks good, Bruce. He looks really, really good. good. Like he he yeah, just really good. he really does. When he looks bad. He looks yeah. so. He's like, what, what's the? It's the proverbial, proverbial little girl with the golden curl. You know, uh-huh. when she was good, she was very good, and when she was bad, she was very bad. Um, that is Koskinen in that. And but this year, we've been mainly seeing the good Koskinen, and it's teams have been. If his glove hand is weak, and we've seen weakness, they they're they're unable to exploit it. They have generally been. We've seen just a couple times where he's had trouble in that particular area. I mean, he's had almost. I can think of the one bad start, his last previous one, but he's been he's put good start together, and, and it looks like you know that there was kind of two theories of Miko Koskinen going into the ser- season, Bruce. One is he's terrible, and the Oilers made the worst signing ever. Peter Shirelli blew it again, uh, giving him the contract. And the second one was well, there was a, some good things about his game, and he fell apart when he got overused, and that's yes. why he fell apart. So. So far, it looks like, and it's very early, like in all this, like, in, and I, and anytime you praise a player early in the season, people say, well, it's early in the season, you know, things could change. Well, we know that. Okay. Yeah. We, we well, get pray, it. We, we praise what we see tonight, right? This, this That's podcast right. about what we saw tonight. And what I saw tonight off of Nickel Koskin, among many other good saves and some very solid net mining and even some pretty solid puck handling over the yeah. course of the game was a wicked good glove save off of Jack Hughes. On the one chance that Hughes got that he, he got into the right face-off circle, and he did not miss with that shot. And that was a goal scorer shot, and Koskinen got the got the leather up and and fought it off. And that was a terrific glove save. I, I said to my wife right at that moment, I thought the book on Koskinen was shoot high glove. Well, not that time. He he seems just quite settled. I mean, the, the orders have been consistently getting fairly strong goaltending from Smith and Koskinen, and it's, and it's quite a difference. It's such a difference for a team, isn't it, when that happens? It's, a, is it, it's the biggest difference? Is that fair to say? I think it might be. And, and it's not like the orders, the other team doesn't get grade A chances. They're getting, the other teams are, I think it's about equal on the season now, 
Um, the odors have kind of clawed back in that category, according to our um, our look at things. But uh, yeah, good for Miko Koskinen. Bruce, what is your bad thing? Not, not a lot to hate tonight, but one one thing that I did hate, uh, so I'll call it my bad thing, was that was what I saw as a, as a very dangerous trip by Andy Green on Gaetan Haas about a foot from the boards and sent him flying feet first into the boards, and that could have had any number of bad outcomes. And when Haas got up and struggled to the bench, I thought, boy, we might not be seeing him for a while. And it, luckily, I mean, those ankle things are funny. Like sometimes you see an ankle turn sideways and go, Ugh, and then the guy's right back. But uh, and he was this time, and in fact Thank he came goodness. back like he came back like it was shot out of a cannon. He played better after that incident than before. But I thought that was, uh, 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 I guess it was so subtle that the refs missed it, but the replay sure didn't. And he stuck his stick right under his skate just as he got to the boards. I mean that's that's just that's yeah. irresponsible. You know. So, these... Anyway, the good thing is that even with our bad thing, the good thing is that he, the player didn't get hurt. And... You know, you could say, well, these. This game happens fast, and, yes. and but and and they're trying so hard, and they're like there's a mm -hmm. level of desperation. They want them to play with a level of desperation, right? So you could say, well, Green's just it's happening fast. He's going for the puck, but he is you a very calm veteran player. He, I, I, on some level, he knew that he was making a reckless play, thrusting his skates, his stick in to get some guy's skates like that. And I, I, I we we can't read his mind. Maybe he didn't no. intend it, but but we can look at that and we can say. That amounts to a dirty play. That was that yes. when you add yeah, it was that. A danger, I'll call it a danger, dangerous play, and I'll draw the line a little short of dirty. And I will say I have a ton of respect for Andy Green. He's been a tremendous yeah, player in this well. league, very underrated player in this league for a lot of years. Uh, he made Mark Fain look good, David, and he made Adam Larson look good. And we saw those guys come out of an Andy Green partnership and come to Edmonton, and and and. Uh, that made me respect Andy Green all the more, but I lost a smidgen there on that play. I just didn't think that was yeah. the, I didn't think that was good stuff. I guess the difference between a dirty play and dangerous play is intent. Like it, yes, when I'm, you say dirty, no. you're you're kind of so I'm gonna retract on dirty. I, I think that you're correct in calling it dangerous. I'll retract on that and say that was a dangerous play on his part. And maybe, maybe even reckless, although maybe there I'm reading intent in as well. Uh so yeah, and Gaetan Haas, Bruce, I mean, he was flying out there tonight. And I, I think I've been consistent in, in praising this player, liking mm -hmm. this player, and thinking this yep. player can be an NHL player. Because what I've seen from the start in him is NHL plus speed yep. and uh, defensive awareness. NHL, at least NHL average, maybe, and on the Oilers, it's probably NHL plus for a center, uh, defensive <laughs> defensive awareness. He he's He's often very often on the right side of his man in the defensive zone and he's got a good smart stick i think he's a smart hockey player so i'm going to say he's got also nhl hockey iq maybe nhl plus iq so what needed to happen and what needs to happen with this player is he's got a score now and then like any player and well, now he's got two goals he's got an, at least one assist um two goals this week so, so let's turn that around in the, in the short term just at least. think if they have Perfect. a third or a fourth line center in him like if you have so I don't mind Riley Sheehan as a as a fourth line center, right? And if Haas can be the third line center, that is just that that's like one of those pieces like Ethan Bear, right? That that you weren't expecting, and suddenly you have this guy who's doing it, like Ethan Bear stepping up on the top pairing, like the most amazing thing that's happened this year, I think, and 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 playing so well. 
And now if Haas can do that, like in a slightly lesser role, third line center, though, is a huge role on the team. And mm-hmm. if he can fill that, that's big. So my well, bad he, thing. He played, uh, he played eight minutes tonight at, uh, at even strength. Uh, the Oilers had the edge in shot attempts 12 to 8 and in shots 6 to 4. Uh, he had two shots. He scored a goal on a nice deflection. He was 6 and 3 on the faceoff circle. And he's the only right handed stick that they got in the faceoff circle. So if he can emerge as a reliable faceoff man, that gives uh, Coach a lot more options than uh, than he would have otherwise. Like that, That's one of the issues with the Oilers is all the lefty centers is on the dot. Fair enough, and I'd like to see him on the PK, and I, I, I think he would. I think would, we will. I, I think we will also see him there um, shortly. So um, it was a pretty good overall effort. I mean, the, the first period there was some lapses by, um, you know, Parson and Nugent Hopkins both got, on two plays in a row, got got caught out. But my bad thing, I think I'm still not sold on the, the uh, grind line, you know, you can call it the third or the fourth line. Of Shayan, who who I do like as a player, Kara and Archibald. Now Shayan, I I think, is a very strong penalty killer. I think we're seeing that, and I don't mind Archibald there either. But at even strength, like Juju Kara Bruce, like he's just not getting it done for me. He just looks. It's not that he looks necessarily even slow. It's look he's not. He doesn't look like he's hustling. He doesn't look des- like he should be playing with some desperation. He should just be digging in, digging in, stopping and starting, not never cruising. Second, Jujar Kara finds himself doing like he if he comes back from the bench and he thought, okay, did I did I do a looping turn on that shift? If he did, he thinks, oh, I had a sh- crappy shift. I can't mm-hmm. do. That. I've got to do stops and starts all shift long, and I've got to do them like as energetically as I can because he is not getting it done in my opinion right now as an NHL forward, and Archibald. I'm not sold on him. Like he's coming back from injury. So I'm not, I'm going to back off on commenting on him, but we've seen Kara every game this year and we've seen him every game last year and the year before. And I'm not seeing it, Bruce. Yeah. Well, he had one tough shift there where there were, there was already some chaos in the zone and he had a chance to clear it. And instead he, he, he coughed it up to the right point man who happened to be PK Subban and then PK wound up getting not one but two big slap shots through the traffic past Kara's block attempt and caused a little bit of trouble. And it just was just little inattention to detail. And, and inside his own blue line, he's, you know, I mean, he's not going to score you 25 goals, as we both know. So you're going to need to have a very reliable player in his own end of the ice. And he's still got clean up, uh, clean up on aisle 16. Riley Shan was uh, 13 faceoffs wins and six yeah. faceoff losses. So, uh, yeah, I, I uh, don't mind Riley Shan, but I just think that again, the combination of Kara and Shan on the same line—that's an awfully slow line—and I'm not completely sold on that. How many? Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins was getting all the uh, attacks last game. He got so two assists. I thought yeah. he had three assists. He had one, uh, but they took it away from him because they detected what I thought I saw originally, which was a deflection in front of the net by Alex from, Chason. He did, yeah. Harrison shot, Chason tipped it, and then the rebound got cashed by, uh, who the heck was it? Neil. That was the nice. James Neal goal. Nice kind and of James so, Neal goal. So Nuge had a secondary assist. And, oh, yeah, that was the other thing. I was going to just sort of comically say it's my bad thing. 
was the announcement in the arena of Dreisaitl's goal being unassisted. And I would think I said to Anna, that's the worst <laughs> in-house announcement I've ever heard on an unassisted goal. Because Nugent made like an 80-foot saucer pass right on the tape, like the most obvious assist you could possibly have. And, and Parison made a... How did they think he got yeah. the puck? <laughs> and Parison had made a great play too yeah, earlier in that. He, he won he it in front of the net and, well. and punched it up to Nugent. And... Like, both of those plays yeah. were huge in that goal. I mean, Settle's finish was absolutely fantastic. All right, Bruce, your number. Uh, I'm just going to go with the number five, and that's the number of shots on net credit to Alex Chason tonight. And I thought Chason worked his ass off in this game. And he's got to. That's uh, a word right in the middle of his name. And he, he worked his tail <laughs> off, and he, he, he was grinding. He was just working the boards and you know he was just all effort all night long i really liked you know his talent is very middling uh he is an nhl player but the reason he became an nhl player is that uh, that uh, uh he can bring the the work ethic and I, I really thought he brought it tonight he got five shots on net two of them were deflections which earned him both a goal and an assist because uh the one caused the rebound that scored, and then the other one, the Nugent Hopkins shot, he tipped directly home on the power play to make it 4 nothing to finally get off the schneid. It's first of the year. Long overdue. But I've been seeing good things in his game of late, and it's nice to see him rewarded with a couple of points. In I, fact, I he think had, he's... Go ahead. had the original Gordie Howe hat-trick tonight, a goal assist and a penalty. But now they, nowadays they call it a fight. But Okay. I didn't know that was the original. That's uh, I have it on 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 questionable authority. I've heard it uh, way way back years ago. But anyway, Howie Meeker. All right, <laughs> uh, Bruce. I'm going to say uh, Chase, when I was watching Chase on, I had this thought like, and and again, he I, it's I, it's almost like he he finally remembered. Oh, that's how I scored goals. I worked my butt off. I yeah. I, I didn't try to be a, a finesse player, and I didn't try to even be. A smart player, although because, but he is a smart player, right? He just does play smart hockey, and I and I, and I, that's that's really I think there, there's a couple NHL skills that he has. He's a smart player, but he forgot about oh yeah, I outwork, I have to outwork everybody else on the ice because my mm-hmm. skating's not there because I'm a below average right. NHL skater. So I've got to work. And he finally remembered that part of it tonight, and and mm-hmm. and it, it looked like his work ethic was at a whole different level than we've seen all year, is what I would say about Chase on tonight. Uh, my number this game a lot. So did I. My number is seven and six. So, uh, as we know, there's been trouble getting any kind of contribution in terms of grade A scoring chance shots from the bottom players tonight. And tonight we had six of them. So there mm-hmm. was seven from the big three. Like Leon Dreisaitl had. <laughs> Leon Dreisaitl had. He's amazing. He's he's the, he's the he had four. He had four, McDavid had two, and James Neal, who's who's also been getting a ton of grade eight scoring chance shots all year, had one, his goal. But we, you know, usually that's it. And the Oilers have like, uh, they have the seven from the big, and then they get one other from somebody else. This right. game, they had six from the other guys. Good, good, they had good. one from Nuge, three from Chase on, one from Darnell Nurse, one from Haas. So good for those guys. If, it seems like if the bottom... Um, three lines can maybe get four or five grade A chances between them in a game. Boy, that's gonna that's a that's gonna be a 
a huge factor for the Oilers if that could happen. It's asking a lot, but we got you're it gonna tonight. Get, you're going to get one once in a while. And tonight, I mean, the big the big guys had uh, had two of the four goals, and the grinders had two, and that's a little bit more balanced. I mean, you talk about those guys. You got you have uh, Drysaddle now with 14, uh, Neil with 12, McDavid with eight. That's 34 goals. The Oilers have only scored 52 goals. I mean, it's almost two thirds of their goals scored by three guys. And they showed it. They ran a stat during the game, and they showed that uh, uh, the top three had, um, at that point, I think they had, uh, what, 32 or something among them. And the bottom, everybody else on the team had, like, seven goals and and 27 points. I mean, all the forwards outside the top three had fewer points than Leon Dreisaitl on his own. And I mean, Leon, Leon's putting it together an incredible season, but man, you need a little bit more help than that. Tonight they got it, right? He got a big goal, but then the rest of the cast started to chip in. I think that combination, like we had a fourth line tonight of Patrick Russell, Gaten Haas, and uh, Marcus Granlin. And I'm not, so I'm not completely sold on Granlin yet, but I, I am on Patrick Russell and um, Gaten Haas. Maybe if you put Sam Gagne on that line, um, you'll have a really solid kind of third line coming together. I, I still, I don't know if Joe, Joe Gambardella is playing yet uh, back in Bakersfield, but I I think Joe uh, Gambardella is a more useful player than some of these other guys that we're seeing right now, and I'd like to see him get a chance, but I, he's been hurt in Bakersfield, so we'll see what happens. He might be my ne- like next call-up because um, he's a veteran guy and he's good to go, right? There's no issue bringing him up at all. So, But anyway, pretty good game. Well, from an Oilers perspective, I mean, that was a team they needed to beat, and they did beat, and they beat them convincingly. I mean, 4 nothing. you're just, you know, that's a fairly thorough job. As you say, a bit of a weak start, but uh, once they took command of that game, they uh, they were in charge. So the Oilers now have 11 wins in 18 games. And to to, uh, to make the playoffs, it's my theory that you're going to need to have 41 wins in 82 games. Yep, so- that's the cutoff right there. So, um, there were, you know, there are four games above that and, um, it's, it's a hell of a lot better being a, like 11 and seven than yeah. it is to be 10 and eight. So huge. that was a really big win. 11. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they would, would or have been. four and 14 or whatever it is. New uh, Jersey is man. They're almost out of it already. Uh, they, they, they'll need to get really hot and it's like, maybe like there, there, there's some talent on that team, obviously big time. There's some real scoring talent on that team. I just don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure that Heashier and Hughes are ready to like to be two-way centers at the NHL level, like in, against tough competition. And I think that's part of it. But I don't watch that team enough to say. And I just, it's kind of a cheap shot for me to say that they were like the 2013-14 Oilers. But considering all the cheap Tonight, shots we've, we've gotten like- from New Jersey fans over the years, uh, I feel like turnabout is fair play. I won't say Mickey Mouse. I won't say Mickey Mouse. I won't say Mickey Mouse. <laughs> no, they're not. A, they're not a Mickey Mouse franchise. No, they, they are that team. That's all. <laughs> I was at that game, and that I do remember. And that was embarrassing. They were not embarrassing tonight. They were just beaten. Oh yeah, I think I remember the reporter who reported that for the Journal, if I'm not mistaken, or for Canadian Press. I think he was. He, I, I could be mistaken, but it was a. It was a guy called John Trithui. He was one of the biggest oh. characters who's ever come through the Edmonton Journal newsroom. 
All right. Yeah, that was the game where Ron Lowe was the netminder for uh, uh, the starting netminder, and then Chico Resch came in, and Wayne Gretzky felt such sympathy for Ron Lowe that he unloaded on New Jersey organization for putting such a weak team in front of him that he himself, Wayne Gretzky, scored eight points in that game. And uh, Yari Curry had five goals, and Willie Lindstrom had a hat trick, and... <laughs> Current assistant coach, Oilers assistant coach, Jim Playfair scored his first NHL goal that game. And it was just one of those games everybody was scoring. So Ron Lowe was in that. It, hey, and it yeah. wasn't. I'm, I got my scandalous stories mixed up. It wasn't John Trithui. Trithui reported this story. I think it was Steve Fonio at some point made some kind of comments about, was it about Gretzky? Or what was it about? Or was it was something Remember that? That was a piece of work, Steve. Fonio. Yeah, it was. A, Steve Fonio made some offhand comments that John Trithui reported back in the day. All right, Bruce, uh, Kurt Levins, our cult of hockey colleague, the hockey sage, is doing the game grades tonight. So, all right, look forward to that. All right, thanks well, for talking thanks. tonight. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the cult of hockey podcast and they they per, the critic who pointed out that we didn't blur both backgrounds before i think we fixed that problem tonight we listen to you we listen to you and i don't <laughs> we're on this <laughs> all right let me just shut this off <laughs>